You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Following a fun weekend at SaxFest, it's just me, Chris, down here today uh, at the 9-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. Dave is deathly ill. You heard him losing his voice in the last episode. He did not want to come over here. I also think it would have been a bad idea if he came over here because last night, my child in the middle of the night woke up and decided he needed some comfort. Why did he need comfort? His eyes were sealed shut with goo. We all know what that is, especially if you're a dad. You know he's got pink eye. But instead of just coming to me and saying he needed help, he decided to crawl into his brother's bed. Then he crawled into his sister's bed for comfort. And then I woke up with him laying on my face. When I relayed this story to Dave, he said, you stay in your basement and I will stay over here for a long, long time. Hopefully we'll get back together next week. But the good news is I have a great replacement by phone where you can't get pink eye over a telephone line. Scott Merkin from MLB.com, White Sox beat reporter, joining me in mere moments here on Sox in the Basement. And we're also going to talk to some of the fans out at Sox Fest. I've got some great audio of that. Let's talk Sox Fest real quick. It was different. I, I think that Sox fans have mixed feelings about this. It was very different from the hotel thing. You know, I remember when I was younger in the 90s and I'd go to the Palmer House. That was a different feeling than the most recent stop. But it was always a hotel. It was always like something where you're moving from one room to another room. And there was the intimacy of that. And there was also the possibility as you got out of a, a, you know, a hotel elevator or you're walking through a hallway that a player on their way to their symposium or coming back from it or going and seeing somebody or doing an interview, you would bump into them and you would get that that one-on-one time or it'd just be one or, one or two or three fans would kind of bump in that fan and get to actually get to talk to them away from standing in line for hours. That's missing now. And so that, that was the first thing that I kind of missed. I'm sure the players kind of enjoy the fact that they can't be hounded, but I did like the fact that I saw, I know Dallas Keuchel was out in the crowd at one point. I know Michael Kopech was walking around the crowd at one point. I know Tim Anderson was doing the bat flip symposium. My daughter went over and did that where kids were practicing their bat flips. I still think the best one I saw was the kid who thought, I'm not going to be outdone. I'm going to throw it over the 12 foot fence into the crowd. Thankfully, it was just a plastic bat. The one thing, though, that I noticed from SoxFest, and then I'll get off of that, we'll get to Scott Merkin. It was more festival because it was all in one big room at McCormick Place, and that's fine, but your festival was too big for the size of room that you went out and paid for. You had too many things going on and tried to fit it into a smaller room. You should have expanded more. You needed more room for that. Brilliant idea. You walk in, the kid zone is there. Nice and wide open. The kids' lines were never too long. If you had kids, you loved it. But if you like symposiums and sitting down and talking with people, there was one main stage that was not as big as any of the rooms that were used last year in the symposiums, so there wasn't enough seating. And then they had a tiny little Hall of Fame area where they were doing these mini symposiums where there was not enough seating at all. I mean, people are getting to the door and kind of looking in going, I, I don't know. I mean, do I want to kind of peer over people's shoulders to see what people are saying? That needs to be fixed. 
people do like to go and ask questions and hear about the team. And that did not work out very well. The beer gardens on either side of the main stage, that was nice. Most people just sat in the beer gardens and just tried to watch and get a glimpse of what was going on the stage. I think if you're going to do that, maybe have a few speakers pointed towards the beer gardens because you get this broken up audio, but you couldn't move to where the speakers could actually hit you because there was no seating. But all of that aside, the one thing that drove me absolutely nuts before we get to Scott Merkin is that everybody wants to get to the back of the room where the stages and the beer gardens are. And then also right there by that are there two biggest autograph stages where their biggest name players are going to be the entire time it's going on. And they're all crunched together in the same spot. And that would be fine if you didn't sell a bunch of vendor stands and place them right there. I was approached by window salesmen, mortgage brokers, you name it. Somebody was there trying to sell me something as I walked through it. It's like going to Chicago Ridge Mall on the Southwest side and every five feet, there's somebody asking if you want to get in the massage chair. Or try out one of those helicopters you don't need a remote control for, you just use your hand. Or get a t-shirt made. Or buy a bedazzler. That's what it felt like. And maybe we could do without that. Joining me on the phone line right now in Socks in the Basement, he covers the Chicago White Sox for MLB.com. He is one of the guys, every once in a while when he puts on an article, I just look at it and I go, Reading everything he's writing, I'm starting to get a, a good feeling about what's going on with the team, and we're lucky to have him on. It's his first appearance, Scott Merkin. How are you, Scott? Good, Chris. Thanks for the kind words. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Now, I found out this week that we have a mutual friend. I just started a uh, another podcast with a friend of mine who does this website called Windy City Slam. Dot com and uh, he we're doing the Windy City Slam podcast. He's a big Chicago wrestling fan, and his name's Mike Pankow. He told me he used to work with you. Yeah, we used to work at the Tribune. I, I don't remember exactly. M- Mike was there after I was gone, and I was there before he got there. So I'm not sure how many years we crossed over, but we were uh, we were together for probably we worked together in maybe two years, and then I moved to a different department, and he was still, I believe, in preps. So I think like two years we worked together. Should be a great guy, great big wrestling fan. I know that. So now you're working in Chicago media, and you know what's funny is, is that like, look, I'm an I'm an older fan. I'm in my 40s, but there are people that are probably reading your stuff that are much younger to just think of you as this is all you've ever done because you've been doing it for so long. What was it like making the transition all of a sudden working for MLB.com and being like the guy? Like, I mean, it's impossible to follow the White Sox without reading Scott Merkin articles. Well, you know, I mean, it was interesting because when I was at the Tribune and then ChicagoSports.com, which is still a Tribune company, obviously, I was more of kind of doing a little bit of everything. You know, I'd go to spring training. I went to spring training for the Bears and – I'm sorry, Bears. For the Cubs and Sox. Went to Platteville. Got ahead of myself to cover the Bears for a couple of seasons when Dick Duran was the uh, was the coach. Did a bunch of takeout features. So that was that was a lot of fun. That was, a you know, a good job. I got to work with a great guy like Dan McGrath over at the Tribune who was really kind of a – kind of mentor to me and you know but it was in, it's interesting to have something where you know what you're basically doing in a certain set period of time you know you know the hours not hours you have but you know the kind of time frame you're going to have you know that if a team doesn't make the your team that you're covering doesn't make the playoffs and you're not covering any other series in the playoffs october is going to be kind of free you know that you know from november to basically the start of february there's going to be a lot of work, but you, you can basically, as long as you have a computer and kind of a, you know, internet, you can, you can do it from a lot of different places. And then, you know, the season, the intensive work and the great time it is, and you know how great it is to be able to cover baseball. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great experience. It's my 18th season that I've, uh, 
covered the team. I covered. I, I go by manager. I've covered Ozzy for eight years, Robin for five. This will be four with Ricky Renteria, and then one with Jerry Manuel. I started in 2003 and had his last season before Ozzy took over and won the World Series two years later. So yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a great experience for me and a great company, great boss I have. Great people to work with. Just a really, a really good opportunity for me. So, what's the difference then? I, I would imagine you get a little bit more access because you're working for MLB.com, or was it pretty much the same thing? And is it strange, like working? I mean, you're working for Major League Baseball. You're not working for the White Sox, but you know, I'm pretty sure that if uh, Jerry got angry, he might call a few people at MLB. And- no, no. I mean, I, I don't get any more access than anyone else does because I work for MLB.com or you know anything. I mean, it's it's just kind of a you know it's kind of a nice symbiotic relationship, you know. There, I mean, it's just that, you know, there's a tie-in between the two, sort of like there's a tie-in with NBC Sports Chicago between the White Sox, you know? But otherwise, it's not, I, it's it's just a regular job to me. I just kind of view it as I have to do the best job I can every day, put the best content out, and just kind of go from there. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the team. Uh, SoxFest just ended. First off, what was your impression of SoxFest? Because it got moved over to McCormick Place. There were some things about it I thought were cool. Like, I kind of liked the beer gardens on either side of the main stage. I kind of liked the fact the kids' zone was right up towards the front so the parents didn't have to wade through everything. There was a little bit of a bottleneck. I think they need to make it a little bigger if they're going to put all those vendors, like, right there in the thing. I I don't know. I felt like last year I saw more players walking the hallways because they're kind of forced to do that. So you'd run into guys where this time they were kind of behind the scenes and they'd pop out, like, just right near where their stage was. But what was your overall impression of the of the festival itself? Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought they did a real nice job with it. I think they'll probably have to expand to a bigger exhibit hall if they're going to keep everything in one level, which they did this year, which is different from, you know, I've been to Sox Fest at the Hyatt. I've been to Sox Fest at the Palmer House. I've been to Sox Fest at the Hilton. And, and then there's the first one at McCormick Place. And I actually thought it was very easy to get to, very easy to move around, very easy to find. I think, like, you know, with this year, with it being sold out, I think it was sold out last year, too, if I'm not mistaken. At least the first two days were sold out last year. I think that, you know, the the seminar area was a little congested. Because the, the idea, like you said, of having, like, the beer gardens right around the seminars was tremendous because it was kind of like being at, like, a little uh, a little club, you know, where you could watch the stuff and still have a beer and still kind of relax, and there was plenty of room for kids and, and fa- other fans who weren't doing that to sit. But then you have the autograph lines right next to it, so I thought it got a little congested. But I thought overall, you know, a great, great job by the White Sox. And I thought, like, some of the things they came up with, I thought the Tim Anderson bat flip competition seminar was tremendous, really entertaining. The kids had a blast doing that. I thought the uh, Los White Sox with Billy Russo, Jose Abreu, Leary Garcia, Luis Robert, and Nomar Mazzaro was very entertaining, really good stuff. And then you got a good perspective into a guy especially like Jose Abreu who's such an underappreciated top-notch competitor in this city not and not so much the other guys too but Jose has been around the longest well actually Leary's been around with the White Sox believe it or not longer than Jose but Jose has been you know front and center this will be his seventh year now so and I, I saw a little bit of other seminars was kind of working in between but I just thought they, they did a nice job with it and I think they probably realized you know it's, it's a, the first year of anything is never going to go off 100% perfect you're going to figure out where you have to improve, where you like what you did, where you maybe have to change a few things. And I think next year will be even better. But I thought they did a great job this year and, and kind of like the setup they had. You've been kind of meeting some of these players. There's a lot of new people that are going to be around this year between the free agents and the guys that are being called up. So if you look at the roster this year compared to last year and the new names, whether it be a free agent, 
uh, some sort of an acquisition, somebody that just comes up now that we know is showing up this year, like Luis Robert. It's obvious that, you know, with a contract, you expect him there on opening day. Which guy stands out to you the most that you're like, Sox fans are going to be like, this is cool, or this guy is going to do well, or you met him and you're like, you know, this guy's going to become a personality. Like, is there somebody that stands out to you amongst all the new people that we should be keeping our eye on? Well, I think Grandal was kind of the, Yasmina Grandal was kind of the signing that turned the rebuild into contention phase. You know, and again, you still got to do it on the field. That was the thing, like when the clock struck 601 on Saturday night, okay, you know, the kind of revival session was over, the fan fest was over the how many titles are we going to win was over. And now it's about, and, and these guys have been doing, trust me, these guys have been doing a lot of work on their own as it is already. You know, a lot of them have been going hard for, you know, for a month already getting ready for the season, but now it's time for spring training. That's the next thing on the agenda. February 12th pitches and catches report, February 17th position players, March 26th is the season, regular season opener. So now that's what it's all about. Now it's about, you know, okay, great off season. They did a great job. doesn't really matter if they won the off season or not, because it's not like, there's a vote at the end of you know January, and they say, "Hey, the White Sox won the off season. They're getting ten extra wins this year because of that." It's just uh, you know in name only, pretty much. And now it's time to prove it. Now it's time to show that not necessarily they're going to win the division, but that they that this team works well together, and they have they're a better team than they were last year. On paper, a hundred percent, they look like a better team than they were last year, no doubt about it. Light years away from the team in 2018, but I think it was Grant the Grandal signing. You know, for lack of a better example, it kind of reminds me of the Lester signing with the Cubs. When the I remember that winter meeting. It was the last winter meeting in San Diego, not this one. When the Cubs got Lester in that, everyone kind of took a step back and said, "Man, all right, they're they're for real. Here they come now. This is this is the changeover." And if you remember that year, I can't you keep this in mind. In 2015, when they went to the playoffs, they were 500 for a good part of that season and had just a, a ridiculous September finishing kick. So. Sox fans should remember that this year, that if, you know, come June or July, the team is hovering around 500, it doesn't mean, A, it's a bad season. It doesn't mean, B, that it can't be a great season. But I think the addition of Grandal, nothing against James McCann, who had a very good year last year, but just really showed this is the next step. And then they went and hit all the targets. They, you know, I, I really like Dallas Keuchel. He he's, seems like a straightforward guy, really, you know, kind of upbeat guy. And I think will be, doesn't have to lead that rotation, but we'll be a great fit in that rotation. And then in Encarnacion, you got something they haven't had for, geez, a long, I can't remember, I guess maybe Frank Thomas was the last time they had it, but you have a DH who actually is a DH. You know, a guy who's had 723 starts as a DH and is a pure home run hitter. The Sox have, you know, and, and to their credit, it's, it's worth trying, but they've done a lot of guys who are like position players turned DH who maybe weren't completely sold on that move, but said, yeah, you know, I'm going to give it a try. This is a good opportunity for me. And it did turn out perfectly for them. You know, nothing against the guys who did it. Some, some really good guys came through doing that role. Adam Dunn, one of the best guys I've covered. But Encarnacion knows what he's doing in that. And that's going to be a huge boost in the middle of that lineup. And then, of course, you know, I mean, like you said, Luis Robert was from within the system. And I think I think if you did a survey of all the writers who are going to be out there, all the beat writers, there's like, what, five of us. I think we all tell you that, you know, watching Luis Robert play on a consistent basis is the most interesting to me thing to me going into the season. Because I, I haven't made, you know, the numerous trips to the minor leagues to see him. I've seen him some spring training last year. I remember a, a game-winning home run he hit in the ninth inning at surprise against Texas. But aside from that, I haven't seen him much where, you know, it counts. I haven't seen him at all where it counts. So that'll be something I'm looking forward to this season. But I do think Rendell getting it done so early, having him agree to getting it done so early, 
kind of change the look of this whole offseason and maybe of the franchise ultimately. So now you're you get a chance to talk to to Ricky and you get a chance to talk to well Ricky Renteria and Rick Hahn. I always go with the Ricky and the Rick that whenever I'm trying to shorthand right. it. I don't know how you guys do it, but but you've you've talked to these guys. I, I'm kind of curious. I got the feeling, and I talked to a few people around the, the team or or they covered a team. I haven't talked to you about it. Uh, that it it was possible that last year Ricky would have really have liked to have seen a guy like Nick Madrigal in like September, but the organization wasn't ready for that yet. And now it's going to be kind of an interesting spring training because that's there's two questions out there. Does Kopech start the year with the team or are they trying to be careful with him or whatever reason they're keeping him down? And is Madrigal, does he really have a legit shot of starting the year with the team either? Because it's starting to feel to me like they don't see him as the starter at the beginning of the year. What's your impression? What do you think about those two guys in their timeline? Yeah, I think Ricky would have taken Madrigal and Luis Robert at any point last year, and I I don't think that's I know that's not any shot against anyone there. Cause I know Ricky, there was probably no bigger supporter than Yo, of Yomer Sanchez and Ricky, who Ricky's talked about, you know, how great his defense was and how many different things he did to help win games that didn't even show up on the stats. So that's nothing against anyone who was there, but I think he knew this was the future and he was ready to have them get going last year, and, and I love their ability. With that said, I don't think Madrigal breaks camp with him. I think he'll get a shot too. I think they'll look at him, but I don't think he does. You know, he, he hasn't had you know all that much experience to play short. Not that you have to have a certain amount of games to get there and move on to the next level, but I just I don't think that Madrigal starts at the White Sox. And in terms of uh, Kopech, you know, they're going to go slow with him. You have to remember that he's healthy, he's ready to go. What a great kid, by the way. Just so open and honest about life, and just a really good guy for young fans to follow and old fans for that matter too. Just, you know, uh, just talks about life and has no kind of not boundaries, but no qualms about saying whatever he's been through and kind of explaining how he got to the point where he is now. Just really interesting guy to talk to on and off the record. With that said, he had made four major league starts before that, you know, the, the Tommy John surgery coming in September of 2018. So there's no reason to rush him back. You have five starters right now. You have, you know, Giolito, Keiko, Gonzalez, Cease, and Lopez. So you're ready to go. And if it means that Kopech comes in late April or early May, well, you figure that out when it when the time comes. But yeah, I I, be, I really believe Kai, uh, I'm sorry, Kopech begins at AAA, and but we'll play. You know, both Kopech and Madrigal will see the significant amount of time this year at the major league level, and will play significant roles on this team. Scott, I don't want to keep you too long. I want one final question, if you don't mind. Uh, I'm curious, based upon your conversations with Rick Hahn and the folks around the White Sox, and, and it was something I was hoping would get asked, but I got, I, and it might have been asked in the first symposium on Friday. I had to skip out because my daughter I had a father daughter dance, so I had to leave a little early. But I'm trying. <laughs> well, yeah. You got to go. You got to go with priorities, right? You got to. You got to go with the family. Yeah. If I if I would have been like, well, I'm at Sox Fest drinking in the Goose Island section, I don't think that would have gone real well with the rest of the family. <laughs> or you could have brought her and just answered her in the Goose <laughs> Island section there too, right? That would that would. I brought her on Saturday. I was like, you know what? You're coming with me on Saturday. That way, I don't get involved in having to go to your volleyball game. You're skipping that. We're gonna go sit there and we're gonna watch. <laughs> Okay, so so anyway, so I was curious what you think is the actual course with the team and your talks overall. Are are they looking at this as a window, like a team that says, "All right, we want to get everybody here. We're going to go for about three, four years and go for it." But there's no way that we can probably retain some of these guys once it comes time for their first contract. So White Sox fans should be looking at those service time things for Yohan Moncada and Lucas Giolito and being like, "That's where the window ends." Or 
Are they more looking at such long-term sustainability, almost like what Houston is doing, where or the Dodgers, where they may not spend all of their money now so that it's not really a window because they want to be able to sign some of those players when they hit free agency for the first time. Do, do you feel like Han looks at it as a window or something that is, we're, this is just the beginning, we're going to, this is like the decade of the sacks and we want to keep it this way, continuing with the pipeline coming from the minors? Well, I, I think you can't predict, you know, that this team is going to, as much as the White Sox, I understandably like to say, you know, multiple championships and multiple parades. You know, let's remember also no one has repeated, unless you count the Giants. The Giants had kind of a Blackhawks championship run, right, where they had like three in six years. But no one's repeated since the Yankees in 98, 99, 2000, and no National League team since the Big Red Machine. So it, it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to do, even with, you know, great teams. It's, it's hard to come back and win it the next year. That Winning is, is just so taxing to everyone, especially the pitchers. That it's hard to say, but you know, Rick said at the seminars, or maybe he said it to us at one of the press conferences, saying, you know, he's trying to keep this core group together as long as possible. That's why the deals with Robert and Jimenez are so important. You have cost control, and you have these young guys locked up for you know the possibility of eight years with the two options on either one of them. So, you know, you want to win as much as you can. You want to keep the young core. That was the whole point of this rebuild to build within from within to sustain the success, not have to constantly go outside the organization to, you know, fill gaps and pay to, you know, complete spots. And that's one thing different than maybe when they, you know, had a great offseason before with the David Robertson and Melky Cabrera signings and Jeff Samarja trade because they have guys from within who may not quite be there now, some other guys in the minors, but guys you know are coming. So I think it's a little bit of both. You want to keep this going as long as possible. You know, I mean, you look on the other side of town, they had, what, four straight playoff seasons you look at I mean I don't know if Houston's a great example right now but Houston's <laughs> done well over the course of their rebuild Kansas City had a couple great years and I think a couple good ones mixed in there so you know you try and go as long as possible but you know it's it's an interesting thing I mean you, you got to win and the ultimate thing is winning the championship so I think if this team stays together for four or five years and wins once that's tremendous that that, that that's a great success in this rebuild then absolutely you look at a team like Milwaukee, they've done everything right and they have not come close to winning a title yet. So, you know, just because you do it right doesn't mean it guarantees anything. But yeah, I think they'd like to keep this young group together for a long time. That's awesome. Scott Merkin, you can find him on MLB.com. Anytime you're just, just search White Sox when you're looking for White Sox news. He's like one of the top things that pops up there. And if you follow him on Twitter, you'll see him rooting way too much for the Michigan Wolverines. I appreciate you, though, coming on with a guy who's got a big giant Illini banner hanging in his basement so soon after Illinois beat Michigan in basketball uh, great, this past great weekend. Season, great season for them so far. We had a, we had a great <laughs> seven-game run, and it's kind of gone sideways since then. Yeah, well, it's Big Ten basketball, so everything could change in a heartbeat. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Scott. I appreciate you coming on. Sure, Chris. Anytime. Take care. What do you think of Saxfest so far? It's been awesome. It has been? Absolutely. Excellent. What's your name? Matt Bain. It's my third year in a row with my son, Ryan. Yeah? You having a good time, buddy? Yeah. McCormick Place, better or worse? Have you been to one of these before? You have. You've yeah, been to one of these before. Better or worse? Pros and cons everywhere you go. Uh, big space here, open. Hell uh, had a one up more on you. You got to an area and you felt a little bit more intimate. And then we really like the events where you sit down with the panels and it seemed like that had a bigger area. What's your name? Matt. 
Matt, what's your name? John. John, Matt and John. Okay, so were you here on Friday and Saturday or just yes. Saturday? Both days, both days. Both days. What did you think about Sox Fest this year? Oh, it was great. I mean, a lot of people yesterday, but uh, we got a, we accomplished what we had to. Yeah, you, able, you able to get through the lines? Who'd you get, who'd you get so far? Uh, Jimenez, Roberts, we're getting Frank Thomas right now, and Father's uh, son's getting uh, uh, Moncada. Better or worse than last year? I'm not sure. I didn't go last year, but uh, this year so far so good. You know, I got to see all my favorite players, so I'm really happy to be here. All right, what's your name? Christy. And your name? Linda. And you? Nicole. All right, so first of all, you're doing Sox Fest right because I see we have libations here in the line, which is what you need to have. And uh, have you ever been to a Sox Fest before? Oh, yes, definitely. Yes? All right, so you, you can compare it now to last year now with the McCormick Place thing. Is we it, like uh, Palmer House the best. This I like one, Palmer House the best, too. Oh, my God, bring it back. I have to be completely honest. Okay, so why is this one bad? Because it's way too small and it's extremely like crowded. Yeah, I feel and like I'm at a shopping mall or the Lake County Fairgrounds. We're from a Wisconsin area. When you go to Saxfest, what is the most important thing for you? Is it like seeing like the, the people socializing, up on stage? Socializing, being have open space. And instead, you feel like you're kind of yeah. like just going seating, from line to line. Seating, there's no seating anywhere. It yeah. does feel like a fair We're waiting for four hours to meet one person. All right, but what about the team? Are we excited about the team this year? We are. I'm here for the booze. That's I don't right. care about baseball. I'm here for, I'm here for the booze as well. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, we're all here for the booze. That's, that's, I'm going to stop talking to you and go drink more booze. Just tell me your name. Lisa. And your name? Michelle. Tom. Tom. And you brought, uh, you brought a little one, huh? Yes, Wells. Wow, okay. So how little is this guy? He's five months. Five months. I'm starting them young. (laughs) What did you think about the McCormick Place setup compared to before? All in one room. It kind of. It's a little crowded. It's really crowded. Yeah. Yeah, I think I bought some windows on the way up here. Did you? Yeah. Wow, it's quite, that's awesome. It's quite possible I bought some windows. Yeah. And I, Did you I might, have a window I might be, into my soul I knowing be, that I... might be I... refinancing my mortgage. I'm not exactly sure. Because I had a problem. to get to the main stage, like a lot of sales. It was like being in a mall. Like everybody I mean, like, buy I, this. I do feel like it's more of a festival versus, or like a fest versus like in the Hilton, it was like so broken away, broken apart. And I feel like this is more like everybody's in one space. All together. It just needs yeah. to be it's bigger. Yeah, that thing, if you're going to do this, like maybe two rooms or something like bigger with the flow and stuff because a lot of the like lines for different things are taking up a lot of room and this is not as like exciting because there's lines there's yeah what's your name man ryan piantek all right ryan uh how many sax fest is this for you so this is my sixth year consecutive going i usually go with my dad so yeah it's been a great experience so far all right so uh let's compare mccormick place in the last venue pros and cons what do we like overall i mean is this better or worse so i think it's hard to say on the onset uh i think this place has a lot more potential than uh than hilton uh i think hillen i think they were just starting to figure it out uh there's always going to be growing pains with this new venue but i think so far so good it, it's been a decent experience i wouldn't say it would be the greatest but like i said it, it's got some work to do but i feel like it's got some good potential i feel like the best part about it is like the uh the beer gardens on either side of the main stage right and, but the, the worst part about it is your two biggest stages for the biggest names are right there next to it, yes. and you have the vendors. So there's this bottleneck effect where to get to the main stage, you have to work your butt off to get over there. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is like stage five and six, and then you have the main stage. That Those two like filler walkways just get super crammed up with people waiting in lines for wristbands or whatever it may be, and then it's just hard to get in and out. But yeah, I agree with that. All right, overall, what do we think about the team this year? How many wins do you think? Oh, I, I honestly smell 
some sort of playoff berth. Obviously, it's very clear it's going to be a two-team race between us and Minnesota. Um, it comes down to can we go at least 500 against them or above. If we can do that, then I think we, we make the playoffs and ultimately win the division. But uh, anything to get us for wild card, I think we smell playoffs Second wild card. I'm thinking yeah. second wild card. I, I'm, I'm smelling playoffs yeah. this year. Quick takeaways from Merck that I got from that interview. I don't believe Nick Madrigal is going to start the season. He seems convinced of it. And like I even alluded to in the interview, I think when Scott Merkin tells you something, I think a lot of it comes from being around the team so much that he gets a good understanding as to the direction they're going in. I mean, he's he's submersed in there, and he's talking to all these different people. He's not like getting one source, two sources, three. You know, he, he's, he's talking to everybody in there. I, I also think that the rotation is probably pretty accurate. If you listen to how he listed off the pitchers, he did him in a very particular order. Giolito, Keuchel, Gio Gonzalez, Dylan Cease, Reynaldo Lopez. What have we been saying? Reynaldo Lopez is the guy in the chopping block. That's the five guys probably that start the season. Kopech comes up and takes Lopez's job unless something strange happens. And I think the idea that Madrigal is not going to be here at the beginning of the year is also backed up by this constant smoke that's out there about Brian Dozier. We touched on that last week. If you want to go back and listen to last week's SoxFest preview, it's not all about SoxFest. Dave and I sat down and actually went through several different guys that are still out there that could play second base. And no, none of them were Yomer Sanchez, who for some strange reason turned down several major league offers because he wanted to take a minor league contract because he thought he could win a second base job. He's rolling the dice on himself. You got to root for Yomer. I hope it works out for him. But this Dozier thing, I just don't get this. You know, I talked to Dan on the phone. And my father's like, what, what is this? This is a Kenny Williams special. We're going after a guy that actually hasn't been that good over the last couple seasons. He had his prime. He's past his prime. If this is really a placeholder for three or four weeks, and then you're looking for veteran leadership in the infield because you see him as a person that can move around, I guess maybe there's some intangible that they see in him. It's definitely not in the numbers. It's definitely not something you can look at in the numbers. But based upon all the stuff I'm hearing, I really think that he's going to be on the team, and, and which stinks because poor Danny Mendick had like seven people get in line to get his autograph, and of all the things that anybody's talking about, the only real possible signing the White Sox could still do is something that would replace him at second base. Danny, Danny needs to unbutton more than just one button. He needs to unbutton like three or four of them when he walks around there. He's got to remind people of the machismo of a Danny Mendick. Pull out all the stops, Danny. Remind them what they're replacing if they decide to move you out of there. My thanks to Scott Merkin for coming on the show and also to all the people that I met out at SoxFest. You guys are awesome. Uh, I was taken aback by the fact that as I approached the line, somebody yelled out, hey, Socks in the basement. And as I stood in the line, there, there were guys who were standing next to me and they didn't reveal it right away, but they were listeners to the show. Uh, countless people who were listening. And last year, nobody knew who we were. And this year... It was, I mean, it, it, it impressed my daughter. She thought it was so cool. She, she's walking around and like every 15 minutes, somebody's walking up to say hi. And, you know, some people bought me beers and I tried to turn around and buy that person a beer back again. But a lot of times like they were gone or, you know, all of a sudden I was talking to somebody else in there and it was very, very flattering. I love the fact that you guys like the show. Uh, I, I wish Dave would have shown up. I think he would have gotten a real kick out of it, but he's such a busy guy. It's hard to drag him out to do anything. But we're going to get him out there at some point this year. 
We are, of course, going to be doing some things, I'm sure, out at Cork and Carry at the Park, our official sponsor for the season. I talked with some folks over at White Sox Ticketing about the idea of doing an event inside the ballpark. So we're planning some things to get back out there and see you again. And until then, thank you very much for listening. This is Socks in the Basement. For fans, by fans, all Socks. 30 minutes of Socks. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. See you next week. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.